Yes, the, the beard is gone. I am clean shaven. Uh, as I said earlier, for the first time in 15 years, I think, I don't know that my kids have ever seen me without facial hair. In fact, last night, uh, Olivia was like, Daddy, you don't look like Daddy anymore. And she started crying. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, but okay. Uh, we're finishing up this week our series Poured Out. It's a life of work and worship. If you remember the first uh, week we talked, we, we talked about that work is good. It's not, work is not a bad thing. It's not something that was, uh, it's not part of the curse. In fact, God's a worker. Um, and as a result, work is a, is a beautiful, powerful thing. And it's supposed to be a part of our lives. Um, but then we acknowledged in the next week, that said, work sucks sometimes. And uh, that's part of that is because of the fall. Um, there is a burdensome and a toilness and weariness to work. And we said, hey, it's okay, we can push back against that using um, technology, we can try to make our lives uh, simpler, but in the end, ultimately, work is just going to be tough, and we're never going to be in this place where work is just wonderful all the time. And then uh, the, the third week, we said, hey, but if we're going to have to work, and if that's a, a, we're going to be doing, what's the most important, best kind of work? And we talked about uh, working for the kingdom of God. Uh, because the work that we do that impacts um, people's lives and transforms is eternal work. It's the sort of work that you will be paid for. You'll be told, well done, good and faithful servant. And so what I'm asking, here's the, here's, here's the simple work that you can do. Noah, even you can do this. <laughs> invite everyone you meet to church. Just invite them. It doesn't have to be here, although here is the best. Uh, but get them to church. I'm so sick and tired. I'm, t- I'm tired of it. I'm angry about it. The fact that, uh, that so many people live in this culture and they're just bouncing around with meaningless lives and they have no hope. There's no, all they can think about is the next, you know, paycheck or sex or whatever. And it's just like, dude, there is something bigger for life. Like there's bigger stuff out there. And you know what? It's here. And it's a lot of places in Orange County. But we need to get embedded. We need to become parts of a community. Doug was, uh, was so powerful last week talking about how important it is for us to, to be with each other and to draw near to God. So here's your job. This is what I'm going to do. I'm committing to this. I don't care if it's the grocery checker. I don't care if it's the person who's flipping me off when I, when I cut them off on the, on the freeway. When they do that, I'm going to roll down the window and be like, dude, 10 a.m. Sunday morning, Coast Bible Church. See you there, brother. That's it. That's what we're doing, okay? That's the new plan. Luke, your rando friends online that you're cussing at while you're playing Call of Duty or whatever you're doing, you invite them to church. I don't care if they live in Indonesia. All right? Good deal, everybody. All right. Uh, so today, we're finishing up uh, this series, and our next series is going to be in Habakkuk. Uh, so if you want to get a preview, it's a short book, short uh, minor prophet, but that's what we're going to hit uh, next week. But let's look at the, the antidote to work today. Um, and it is, it is Sabbath rest. So let's take a look at uh, our text this morning. Uh, God saw everything he had made. It was supremely good. There was evening. There was morning. That was the sixth day. The heavens and the earth and all who live in them were completed. On the sixth day, God completed all the work he had done. And on the seventh day, God rested from all the work he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all the work of creation. Um, Let's take a look. You might be surprised, depending on what translation you're used to, that bit about supremely good. 
And it's, very, it's actually very important. It's, it's something that the Hebrew kind of pops out at you when you're reading in the original language. Uh, so God saw everything he had made. It was supremely good. If you follow the Genesis story about creation, right, there's a, a number of beats where, like, God will have finished, like, day three or day four, and it'll say he saw it and it was good. The Hebrew pops in a little extra here on this, on this last day. So it's the sixth day, he stops, you know, he looks, and it's supremely good. That's a me'od in Hebrew, and it typically means, like, like powerful or mighty or fierce, and here it's used in, as an adjective um, for tov, which is good. And, and so we don't really speak this way in English. We wouldn't say, uh, like, oh, this is powerfully good. That's kind of a weird, it doesn't, but you kind of get the, the point though, right? We, we don't say, oh, this is a mighty good, um, a fierce good. That, those, that's an odd way of speaking in English. But you can understand the point, right? There's, the, there's this, this, this excellence, this mightiness, this glory to the goodness, and I think what's happening is not only is God like, uh, like seeing uh, that, what he's made, but because he's stopped, because he's resting, because he's pulling back, he's able to appreciate the true glory of what he has accomplished. Um, and and this, this is something that I think I experienced last week. Uh, the idea of being able to step back and rest, when you're able to do that, you're able to see better, you're able to experience better what's going on around you. I have a, a clip from, uh, I think it's like midnight, early morning of uh, Wednesday to Thursday last week in Orlando, where we were. Is that, can we, can we roll that really quick? The worst of Ian's Peace. wrath uh, is behind us, but it is making its way toward the eastern side of Florida. NBC's Blaine Alexander is in Orlando. It's been downgraded to a tropical storm there, but a lot of folks hunkered down in the city's uh, theme parks are closed. Hey, Blaine. Yeah, that's right, Hoda. Even a weekend, Ian, is certainly a powerful one here in Orlando. You know, and the biggest thing, the name of the game that everybody's watching here is flash flooding. Those are the alerts. Those are the concerns. Those are the warnings that we're hearing from officials. And, of course, as you see right now, every now and then we'll get a very powerful gust of wind that knocks me off balance. We've got our producer kind of holding our materials right here. But if you look behind me, this is why. We've seen this steady rainfall that's been going since late last night, and it's going to continue at this pace until at least noon today. Here's why that's problematic is because already we've seen over a foot of rain fall across parts of Orlando, and that's in less than 24 hours. And we're talking about falling at a very fast clip. We're talking about rainfall as much as two inches per hour. Now, when you talk about this foot total, that's more than double what Orlando typically sees in the entire month of September. Now, just in this morning, when we were driving from our hotel over to our live shot, we actually came across some of that flash flooding. We saw some roads that were already inundated with water, and that is only expected to get worse as we see this rain continue at this steady pace for the next uh, six hours or so. Now, how do you mention those theme parks? We're talking about Disney World, Universal, of course, SeaWorld, all of them are closed down and uh, expected to continue closed till the end of the day, guys. All right, Blaine Alexander. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, my wife and I were at a pastor's conference last week, and it was held in Orlando, Florida. Uh, and so the timing was supremely bad, uh, not supremely good. And it was a very strange thing, though, because the conference got canceled because all the speakers had to leave. And so we were just stuck in this hotel. For, um, for, for three days. And we, we couldn't go outside because it was crazy. 
and we couldn't do any work because there was nothing to do. Uh, and so we just rested. And a lot of people ask, like, oh, man, what were you, you know, how bad was it? And honestly, like, once we realized that we were safe, it was amazing. Like, it was awesome. So there's all these people, like, they're running. The, the hotel was used for evacuees, and so all these people are coming in with cases of water, and they're telling us about how their, their, flown, their homes are going to get destroyed. And then uh, our, our hotel also hosted all the local electricians who were going to go out and, and try to restore power after the hurricane happened. And so they were hunkered down, getting ready to go. And we were just like... Man, nature is metal. This is cool. We uh, that night, you know, we we opened up the, the the sliding door to the balcony, and we were blown backwards. And we were in Orlando; we weren't even where it made landfall. So, it, like, it had, it was like half as powerful where we were than where it was at landfall. But we were just like, this is amazing. There was one part, one point where um, the hurricane winds were so back and forth, <laughs> we were looking at the balcony, and one, like, almost straight ahead, the, the, there was a split where the, ra- the rain was going left, and the rain was going right, like, both of them flat, and there was this, like, we were like, what is going on here, and uh, then, and yeah, like, we would hold on, and there's 75 mile an hour gusts of wind were, like, blowing us back, but we were totally safe, and we were resting, and so everyone else was terrified, everyone else was worried, but we weren't worried, our house wasn't there. And so instead, we were just kind of blown away by the power of nature. By the, this is just like the slightest sliver of God's incredible power. And we were just being able to just take it in. Uh, on, on Friday, the storm had moved out. And it was probably the most beautiful day I have seen in as long as I can remember. We, we, we went outside and it, it, there wasn't a cloud in the sky it was like 72 degrees with like a, just a slight breeze. All the humidity of Florida had been taken away by the hurricane. And so it, it was honestly like the way Southern California is almost all the time. And so we were really happy about that. We went to uh, the equivalent of downtown Disney there, uh, Disney Springs, and we, we shopped and we ate and we just hung out. And the whole time we were just like, And it wasn't that, you know, I don't know that nature's incredible, like, the rest of the time. It's not that I'm, you know, I'm not unaware of that. But it took rest to see it and to celebrate it and to appreciate it. Because there weren't all these other things going on in our mind, worrying about this, worrying about that. Instead, it was just an opportunity to sit and take in what is. And that's the first thing on your note sheets. Rest, or you're going to miss the supremely good. You'll be aware that there's good things, but you won't be able to enjoy them if you don't rest. And that uh, should bring up a couple of questions. The first is, do you have a Sabbath, or does work just never end for you? Are you always thinking about it? We're all just waiting for Jeff Storer to, like, get his cell phone out and walk out and try and fix someone's problems. There you go, buddy. That's, that's right. I'm not saying this sermon is directed at you, but it is. Uh, and, and <laughs> or, because there's a lot of you here who are very, very successful people, like incredible workers. You own businesses. You do all these things. Uh, and some of you work constantly. 
And if so, what are you missing? And how could you carve out some space so that you don't miss the supremely good? A second question, what are you missing? What supremely good thing are you not present for? Are you not experiencing because you're going this way and that? And by the way, if, if your Saturday is like mine where, you know, you're carting kids to soccer all day and, you know, in my case, worrying about the next day, Sunday, like, that, that's not resting, okay? We'll talk more about Sabbath, but let me, let me tell you, if you're just running around like crazy, your weekends are just as full or, if, or, or fuller than, than your weekdays, this especially matters to me because... Um, Some of you have met uh, my four-year-old, Soren. He's like the cutest kid ever. Like, he's so cute. But he's also just as or more active than Keegan Lane. And if you've met Keegan, you know that he's exhausting. It's just like, oh my gosh, please, is there an off switch? I just want to press it. I mean, pretty much sleeping is the only time. And Soren's the same way. And so I, it's, he's exhausting. And I love him. He's super cute. But I find myself, like, missing out on the supremely... Because being with him is a lot of times... It's work. It's work. And I know, I know that, if, uh, that I need to find ways to step back and, and just be present because he's not going to be for forever. I know that. And I know that he's going to change. I got two older girls and... He's way better than they are. Like, he's easily the best of our children. But that won't last forever, you know? <laughs> they do, they do have, we do have favorites, just so you know. <laughs> just so you know, guys. Doesn't mean we don't love you all, but, you know, some of, her, some of you are more fun than others. At, at times, and it changes. Um, but I worry that, that filling my life up with all this stuff, I'm going to miss that beauty, the supreme goodness that is uh, what God created in Soren. Let's, uh, let's, let's go back to the text and check this out. Um, the heavens and the earth, all who live in them were completed. On the sixth day, God completed everything. The seventh day, God rested from all the work he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. God blessed it. Uh, we talked about Sabbath about a year ago, I think, and one of the things I, I brought out was the fact that for the vast majority of human history, nobody ever took a break. This is weird for us as Americans um, and Westerners because we're used to a two-day weekend, uh, which is, honestly, it's, it's only about 100 years old in human history that there is a two-day weekend. And before that, there was no weekend except for Christians and Jewish people. Everybody else in the history of the world worked 24-7. The vast majority of human beings were slaves. And what God was, God's perspective on that was that's horrible. Because God had taken this special day and blessed it. When it says he blessed it, it, what it means is God carved it out as a gift. God carved it out as a gift for us. And that's why he has to make it holy. Holy means separated or sacred, meaning that, that this gift is something that you need to take. You have to take. In fact, in the Old Testament law, it was mandatory. Now, as Christians, we're, you know, we're, we're freed from the, the this, this, and this, of, but, but we're, the principle remains that God really wants his people to stop. You, uh, 
you remember Christmas story, um, you'll shoot your eye out. Uh, and if you don't, it's a great movie. It's awesome. It uh, really captures the lead up to Christmas in a way that both uh, children and adults can appreciate. Uh, but one of the great scenes is that all the entire movie, like we're, we're waiting for Christmas, waiting for Christmas, so excited about Christmas. And Christmas finally arrives. And Ralphie and his little brother, they just, they, they come downstairs, they dive into the presents, they're ripping them apart. And uh, the old man and his wife are kind of just sitting there like, kind of like, oh, finally we can, we can relax. And they're not even interested in presents at all. They don't care. They're just glad that their kids are occupied. And the kids are just tearing it apart, uh, so much so that Ralphie's brother gets this blimp and he passes out after opening up all the presents because he's like so into it. Isn't it weird how we get older and we get less and less excited about the gifts at Christmas? At this point, you know, or birthdays or whatever, people are like, Tom, what do you want for your birthday? I'm like, eh, I have everything I want. I mean, the OLED TV, of course. <laughs> but it's not like my TV's bad. It's huge. It's like 85 inches or something. It's like enormous. It's 4K. Like, I don't really need the OLED. But if you have an extra one, I'll take it. It has to be the Vizio, though. I'm not interested in anything else. <laughs> the beggar who is a chooser. Amazing. Okay. Uh, but for the most part, I just don't care. Like, I don't, how odd is it that, that there's this, this opportunity where, where people are like, I just, want, I just want to give you a gift, and I'm like, eh. Whereas when I was a kid, man, the whole, my whole universe revolved around how long is it till Christmas? How long is it till my birthday? I was an only child, so I didn't have to, I didn't have to share it with anybody else. It was all for me, and I loved it. Do you realize that the Christmas gift of God to us is Sabbath rest. And it's super crazy that tons of us, lots of us are like, eh, there's a lot I got to get done. Eh. It's really important that the kids, you know, get really good at softball because they're probably going to be pro someday and make billions of dollars. Is it? The next thing in your notes is, is this. It's like this. Why, why are we so hesitant to accept this gift? And we really are. A lot of it's the culture. A lot of it is, is just we're inundated with, um, with images and bombarded by activities. And we live in this, this world where we, we have so many different ways of distracting ourselves and, and having a good time. But at the same time, like also it ends up becoming like a task to accomplish. We're, we're, just, we're in a high-pressure society where it's like, hey, if you're not doing this, 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 and climbing the ladder, like you're a failure. You know, so you got to da 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 Why are we so hesitant to take this gift? Well, I have a couple of questions for you, if you are. If you're one of the people who doesn't want to slow down, maybe it's because when you stop, all the anxieties, all the fears, all the concerns, all the deep hurts, all those things start rising to the surface. And boy, if there's one thing we don't want to think about, it's that stuff, right? And, and sometimes work, distraction, activities, they can be 
a way to get away. But instead of, instead of making that like, well, I'm just going to keep going at it, maybe, maybe it's time. Maybe today is the day where you say, you know what, I'm going to try resting. I'm going to see what happens. And if things start going crazy, I'm going to take that as a sign that there's some work that needs to be done. Another uh, question, maybe not working makes you feel guilty. I know a lot of people, a lot of people who, um, let's just be honest, we define ourselves by what we accomplish. We define ourselves by what we get done. And when we're not doing that, we start to feel like we're not, we're, at, we're not adequate, we're not enough. We, we can't just rest because when we do, that's when we feel like we're failing. And so maybe there's this big, beautiful present in front of you, an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the way we do things. I'm going to take a break but you don't want to open it because you're afraid of what it's going to do to you. Go back to the text. The, the reason God uh, made, makes this holy, the reason God makes this a command for us is because God did it. God rested from all of God's work. There's something built into us because we're made in the image of God, yeah? And so what God is like, we're like. And so... When God says, I'm going to rest, what he's really saying is that you need to rest because you're like me. And it kind of makes you wonder, what is it about rest that's so critical, so important? Well, uh, the, the scientists, they've, they've been uh, working on a thing for, since the 70s, the psychologists have been working on what's called flow. Have you heard of this, flow? Um, flow is, is, is when, uh, it's especially with uh, extremely good athletes, they'll talk about these times where they're playing or they're running or surfing or whatever, and it's like, it's like everything just fits, and you just, it's just awesome. So uh, Steph Curry, the, the Golden State Warriors, he'll say some, there's sometimes, he believes every time he shoots that the ball's going to go in, but there are some times when he's playing where he doesn't even have to look. He knows it. He's so in the zone that he can shoot the ball and start walking back or jogging back to, to defense because he knows it's going in because he's in the flow. Um, maybe you've experienced this. Uh, usually, a lot of times it's experienced with uh, physical activities, but it can also be with mental activities where uh, you're working hard on problems at work or whatever, and they just come and it's just easy. It just goes. Um, it's just like you're there and everything is, is work. It's all in sync. And it's, it's not that it's not challenging. It is challenging, but at the same time, it's also you're up to it and you're, and you're in it, and, and, and it's just amazing. For me, sometimes when I'm writing, uh, if, I'm, if I'm writing and I, and, I, and I hit it, I can write for five, six hours in a row without even like, taking a break because I'm just, it's just there. One thing the scientists haven't figured out is how to get into the state of flow. It's a, it, it, even the most recent neuroscientific research, they'll have people playing video games. Apparently video games is a great way to get in flow. So... <laughs> Jacob's nodding his head, uh-huh. And, and it's true. Like, you're, you're in there, and, like, you know what it is, man. It's like you're, you're it's Overwatch 2. Well, okay, so when you're playing, though, man, when you're playing Overwatch 2, 
if you get on like a kill streak, where it's just like, bam, bam, you just headshot, headshot, headshot. This is totally inappropriate. All right, uh, Jacob, no more Overwatch for you, buddy. Uh, but that is the state of flow, my man. That's, that's what it is, where you're just like, just, just, just feeling it. And they're like, how do you get there? How do you, how do you enter into the state of flow? Well, the professional athletes and the people who are good at it, what they say is habit. The habit of practice, the habit of just going, it's creating muscle memory, it's creating that through, through repetition over and over and over. And so when they do that, not only does the state of flow occur in their chosen sport or activity, but it also bleeds over into the rest of life because there's a habit, there's a practice of being in it. And so other parts of the life start clicking too because you're deeply immersed in the activity of flow. Why does God give us Sabbath rest? To make us habituate to it, to give us a habit of resting. Because if we begin focusing and say, I'm going to rest on one day a week or whatever, if I'm going to make a priority of that, then guess what happens during the other six days of the week when you're, you're, you should be going, 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 but you're going to, you start to acclimate to knowing that, no, there's, there's a good rhythm, there's a rhythm and a habit of work and rest. And so you begin to get better at resting while you work, and it actually improves your work. And by the way, just because you're retired doesn't mean you're not working a ton. Mike's like the most, he's like the busiest guy I've ever met. He's, always, he's, he's got cruises planned out till 2028. He's just like, it's always thinking with this guy. Bro, be careful. I'm for that. But also, just because you're not going to a job doesn't mean you're not working. Mindy, just because you're not going to a job doesn't mean being a mom's not awful. Okay? It's work. All right? So don't, don't assume that, like, just because you're not punching a clock and getting paid, you're not working. Oh, you're working. And that's why you need the habit of rest to alter the way that you view work the other six days of the week. It's the last thing on your note sheet. Sabbath, Sabbath is a habit that impacts the other six days of the week. And so... If it's going to be a habit, what kind of habit should it be? Here's a couple of questions to think about. What might a Sabbath look like? The, the key here is to remember that, that a Sabbath is supposed to be a respite. It's supposed to be a break from all the things that cause stress. So, for example, in, in, in Israel, the, the law stated that one of the things they had to do was, was meal prep. They literally had meal prep on the day before the Sabbath. Why? Because in the ancient world, cooking was really time-consuming and difficult. And it still is. So they had meal prep, so the, the meal is ready to go. So that on the Sabbath day, you just, you don't have to worry about it. And that opens up time for leisure. Uh, the, the Sabbath was really supposed to be a time where family and friends gather and just be together. Uh, Sabbath, uh, Sabbath rest in the Old Testament is usually like a backyard barbecue. Okay, That's what a Sabbath is. And it's hard to do a backyard, uh, backyard barbecue when you're work going here and this kid's going there and everyone's doing this and we're trading off with the kids in the car seats and whatnot. It's really difficult to just stop and hang out and be, be together. So for me, okay, I hate going to my kids' soccer games. I don't like soccer. Okay? 
Jonathan loved it. It was the best time of his life. Okay, great, man. We're different. So for you, taking your kids to soccer is Sabbath, okay? For me, that's not. It doesn't matter who you are. What you're, we're all going to have different things that give us life and suck life away, okay? But a Sabbath is when it's the things that give you life and not the things that take it away. And that's why the established kind of image of Sabbath in the Old Testament is a backyard barbecue because it's very difficult uh, to be super stressed out when you're hanging out with your family and friends and, and eating hot dogs. It can happen, but it's hard. So for you, start thinking, what would it look like to really be at rest? You know, maybe that's family board game night. I don't know. But maybe it's not. But it has to be the thing that gives you life and doesn't take it away. Second question. How do you make it a habit? We're a grace church. Uh, there, we, we don't believe that there's a, anything that you can do to earn God's favor or get closer to God. God loves you the same no matter what. God's grace is infinite and it can't end. Uh, there's nothing you can do that can ever uh, separate you from God. However, that doesn't mean that it's not a bad idea to in, involve some discipline in your life. If you start making a discipline of Sabbath, eventually it'll become a habit and eventually it is going to radically transform your life. But it starts with a commitment. It starts with a commitment to say, no, God made me to stop. And so I'm going to do it. And even if it makes my wife think I'm a little lazy, I'm still going to do it. This is, a, this is a, if you want the laziness plan, Bill, you're like, honey, I'm sorry. I, we have to. God, God commands it. It's a spiritual thing. It's like, I know you want me to like fix the, fix the, you know, the, the spa or whatever, but I can't. Um, God has commanded me to sit down and watch this TV series and binge it for six hours, okay? It's, it's, not, it's not my fault. Oh, and then take a nap afterward. And turn off your phone. <laughs> turn off your, oh, yeah. Ooh, turn off your phone. Another sermon, but yes, uh, you're right. Uh, remember, it's, it's rest. It's not distraction. Um, it's, it's, it's imbibing the good things of life. And so, yes, binge watching The Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, while it's bad for you because it's a terrible show, also probably is not rest. It's more like a distraction. So just FYI. Um, so you're going to have to make a commitment. You're going to have to do it as a family. It's, it's got to be all, all or nothing, right? Everyone's got to be on board for this or it's not going to work. But if you make that commitment, then it is going to dramatically transform your experience of regular life because you are going to be committed to being the way God made you to be. Last thing, just take a, take a look here. Um, this is from Galatians. And this is the, the foundation of all Sabbath rest. Paul says to the Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in my body, I live by faith. Indeed, it's the faithfulness of God's Son who loved, and, loved me and gave himself for me. You know, rest, work, all of it starts with the cross. All of it starts with being included in Jesus Christ. If you're here and, and you are not, uh, and you've never trusted Jesus for forgiveness and eternal life, like, there's nothing that, you can try to Sabbath all you want, but it's never really going to work because you're never really going to be able to stop and, and know that you have been paid for, you have been forgiven, that, that, that God has already done everything you need to do. It's done. It's finished. 
There's no amount of work or excellence that's going to please God. or, you're, or, or that's, that's a done deal. God took care of that for you. If you're having a problem, you're, the guilt of, of slowing down or, you know, the, 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 all the anxieties and, and the fears, all of that is addressed by Jesus at the cross. He paid for it all. He took care of all of your sin. He gives you his life. And if you can rest in that, then you'll be able to rest on Sabbath. Then you'll be able to work in rest. It starts with Jesus. Don't think this is a self-help class about how to improve your life. It is the beginning of a different kind of life, a life that is called in Christ, circumscribed by his commands, by his life and his love, his grace. You have to have grace for yourself in him or you won't be able to have a a Sabbath. You have to have grace for yourself in him or you will never be good enough at work and accomplish all the things that that it's never going to be enough. You have to start with Jesus and know that all things are accomplished in him, that your life, you now live in, in your body by faith in him and by his faithfulness to make you right forever. If we can't rest in the cross, there's no amount of Sabbathing and resting or work and working that is going to make us right. And so if you haven't, we need to start there. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you um, that you've created us to be like you that you've created us to work, that you've created us um, to battle and to fight, that you've created us to, to be kingdom builders. But you've also created us to stop. You've created us to rest so that we can see what is supremely good in the world. What's supremely good that's come from our hard work and our creative capacities. that, God, you've uh, created us with those gifts and capacities so that we can honor and serve you, but but, but to enjoy them. God, I pray that everyone here um, will all make a commitment to make Sabbath a habit, to let rest and just take over all kinds of parts of our lives. So even when we're working hard, we'll we'll still have the the energy and capacity because we are rested. And God, for any of us who aren't uh, built, founded on the rest of the cross, give us eyes of faith to know that Jesus has paid it all. Jesus has earned it all. And everything we do is just an echo of how he has summed everything up in himself. Give us rest on the cross, rest during the week, and the joy that you provide through it. Jesus, in your name we pray, amen.